0: It's Saturday night, which means it's time for the one-year anniversary episode of the Friday Night Nicktoons podcast. I'm Ashley.
1: And I'm Casey. That's right, we're coming to you on a Saturday to play catch-up from Missing last week, and to celebrate the exact date that FNN podcast number one went live. That episode was about the first episodes and/or pilots of SpongeBob, Rocket Power, and Fairly Odd Parents. And uh, let's be honest, we had absolutely no clue what we were doing, did we, Ashley?
0: Yeah, no, we definitely did not. Uh, From our early episodes like that one, to the beginning of our collaborations with Patricia from Old School Lane, to various holiday and personal specials, to We're In Between, to Nick Madness, and finally, to our Fairly Odd Parents May Movie Marathon, it has been so much fun to share this podcast with all of our incredible listeners. Whether you've listened since day one or just recently found our feed, we are so glad to have you guys here.
1: Yeah, we started this podcast as sort of a small passion project, and we've been really excited to see the sort of growth and buzz around it build a little over this past year. We've had some fun special guests, and uh, during Nick Madness, we really kind of got to see what this little community was made of, and we got to hear from you guys a lot, so that was a really exciting time, and uh, we're looking forward to more events like that. We do have some big plans for growth on the podcast for the next year of the Friday Night Nicktoons podcast as well, but of course, we'll always become back to the nick that is our top priority
0: yeah doing this for a full year absolutely would not have been worth it without all of you guys so thanks for helping us get here um yesterday we celebrated my graduation by discussing the polarizing schools out the musical and uh casey and i disagreed more than we've ever disagreed about anything in fnn history so if you didn't listen to that one yet definitely recommend checking it out and I also took home the Season 2 Trivia Championship after a very intense three weeks of Casey climbing up the standings. But unfortunately for him, he, at the very last second, decided to change his answer and ended up losing the season of Trivia 8-7. to seven. I won.
1: I just, I keep thinking about it. I keep getting upset again. My only uh, solace is that 8-7 to seven was the same score as the Cubs World Series. Uh... The wrong outcome happened in this version, but, uh, a little bit of comfort in that, those numbers.
0: Hey, that does make some excitement, though, for season three, whenever we start that up. We'll we'll take a couple of weeks off. It's kind of how we usually do it when, when we finish. We need some, some time to recover on both of our ends, you know? It's been a long, rough season. We need, we need (laughs) some time to get ourselves back together, but it'll be an exciting one.
1: For sure, yeah. I'm I'm down with starting up again the, our first podcast of July and making it a second half of the year thing, if you're good.
0: Yeah, that works for me.
1: And now normally uh, we would have our Twitter poll results here, but yesterday's poll has not quite wrapped up, so we're going to get you both of those poll updates back next week.
0: This week we are discussing the absolutely fantastic TV movie Abra Catastrophe from the Fairly OddParents, um, it happens to be about a certain one-year anniversary, so it seemed fitting to commemorate our one year of FNN with this one.
1: Thank you guys so much for listening for an entire year. Now let's get started. From the Nicktoon Animation Studio!
0: Alright, our segment today, as I said earlier, is from Fairly Odd Parents*. The movie, entitled Abercatastrophe, was originally the 12th episode from Season 3 and aired July 12th, 2003.
1: And in this, our final movie of the Fairly Oddparents May Movie Marathon, Timmy celebrates his fairyversary, which happens after the first year of a godchild keeping their fairy godparents a secret. And uh, Timmy gets his present, the Magic Muffin, this muffin can grant rule-free wishes to anyone who takes a bite, and uh, at first this seems like a really exciting prospect. But uh, he loses this muffin, and it gets in the hands of uh, Biffy, Bippy, Bippy, Bippy. with peas.
0: Yes. Yeah, I Bippy
1: so. the monkey gets a hold of it, and uh, some interesting hijinks ensue. And uh, Mr. Cropper's Mr. Crocker's arc in all of this is to obtain said. Uh, Muffin and become the ruler of the world.
0: Yeah, that pretty much sums it up. It's, and uh, we'll, we'll talk about it a lot, but I'm gonna go ahead and start out by just saying that this is by far my favorite movie of the three. No question for me. Um, it held up the best. I was super excited to watch it and I think it does so many great things. Um, we also got at the very beginning we get this sort of dream sequence that has a lot of parodies, but in my opinion, it does it a bit funnier than the parodies from uh, Channel Chasers. Channel Chasers seemed a little bit lazier to be, but
1: well, yeah, you the kind of not so subtle digs at Jar Jar was really funny in the Star Wars bit at the very beginning. I appreciated that.
0: Yeah, still nothing like you know mind blowingly great, but I thought. You know, a little more, a little more topical, a little bit more, uh, you know, hey, let's actually reference things from these shows and a little less, let's copy the animation styles and look, we're doing this show, you know? Yeah. Um, and it also is just kind of this fun way of, uh, you know, starting us out. We also get a couple of references, like, um, Timmy gets his hand chopped off and he's like, hey, I've only got two of those and, you know, like things, things like that from That you need some knowledge of the Star Wars films, I suppose. Minimal, but some, to understand. Yeah,
1: you have to have, like, seen them once.
0: (laughs) Yeah, so, um, yeah, I feel like there's not too much more on those I need to talk about, but we then have him wake up to find out that the reason that they were distracting him with, I think they even reference it, they say something like, non-copyright infringing parodies. (laughs) (laughs) Um... And so then we, we start up to his party, and apparently he's unaware of this, but you get your fairyversary anytime that you're capable of going an entire year without telling the secret, which is apparently not especially common.
1: And I can imagine, and I think of all the godchildren that there are in the world, Timmy would have to be, like, bottom 10% in terms of likeliness to keep their fairies for a whole year, <laughs>
0: yeah it's it's a little surprising honestly um we we also see this like sort of clip of there's just this kid who's sitting with his fairies and a girl comes up and is like are those fairy godparents and he's like they sure are (laughs) and then he loses
1: them like brilliant yeah that cut scene was, was really fun yeah, uh, echoing what you said, Ashley, I agree. This is my favorite of the three as well. And I do I do like Schools Out the Musical, as we discussed yesterday. But I am a big fan of Abercatastrophe. I think you're right, exactly right. It holds up the best. And I think it's got the best writing and the best concept in general. Though there are a few plot holes we discover in this one as well.
0: Yeah, and there's, like, it's, I'm not gonna say that it's the most brilliant thing I've ever seen in my life, but I think, I think it does a couple of interesting things, um, that we don't see in the other two, and I, I think, I don't know, just, I just think the actual plot itself is more interesting than, than the other two. Um, we do also, in this one, (laughs) we do have a song, but it's sang mostly by, oh, what's his name? fairy cowlick
1: jr (laughs) yes that's the
0: one um which to me makes it much more enjoyable it's actually a pretty good jam great yeah um timmy has one line and it's pretty much just talk saying which is like i said in in his range which was a good decision as we've seen from my complaints at schools out but yeah it's it's a pretty it's a pretty good jam um we also and I'm going to skip ahead a little bit. We'll we'll skip around as we do. We uh after Bibi gets them up and he like changes the whole world to have uh, monkeys as the um primary species whatever and we get this fantastic parody of the theme song that's I thought like I remembered it being lazy but the lyrics are actually brilliant.
1: Oh no, it's pretty great. Uh, they're a little forced, you know, scansion wise, some of it. But like, uh, like they say Vic Ape instead of Vicky, which is pretty rough. Yeah,
0: I think that's, I think that's the roughest. But there's things like uh, the, something about the the bees and fleas up in those yeah, trees. Ticks and fleas. I thought yeah, was pretty that's good. Clever. Ticks and I love, fleas. There uh, we the go. final
1: line: It curls your tail when you're the alpha male with fairly odd primates.
0: Yeah. <laughs> See, it's not like it's all you know brilliant brilliant but it's good they they also you know normally there's the the line of all the various things that ends with like large fries chocolate shake or whatever is so it's just like bananas bananas <laughs> bananas bananas ugh it gets to me it shouldn't be that funny but it still is every time
1: <laughs> yeah it's great and so my favorite kind of through line of this entire plot, kind of similar to Channel Chasers. The one that cracked me up the most is the parents' point of view through this whole thing. Basically, and we, when I picked Mr. and Mrs. Turner as one of my top five secondary characters, I talked a bit about this moment, but uh, the concept of them realizing how much they lie to Timmy and have lied to him their entire life, his entire life, and uh realizing that and them trying to count the, all the truths that they've told is so funny.
0: Yeah, I, I think it's like I feel like maybe it would be better to make a truths list and it's like, well, we love him. That's one.
1: <laughs> In the flashback uh. where uh Timmy's dad has that mullet and his mom has the like 80s kind of hair. And Timmy's just this, like, sad little well-behaved boy, and they seem to really care about him and be far less selfish than they are now, certainly, and it seems like Vicky was sort of a catalyst in letting the parents let go of Timmy a bit, but unfortunately it's, uh, a bad- the wrong move.
0: Yeah, and it's actually an interesting sort of origin story, I guess, if you will, um, Timmy is the one that calls Vicky, we find out, you know, uh, because his parents decide to pull this prank where they say that they're leaving to uh, the great unknown um, (laughs) and leaves him there and he doesn't know how to handle it. So he ends up calling this babysitting service that Timmy's mom keeps nagging and nagging his dad to get, which also kind of interesting because I would say... As we, we uh, got from the poll, it seems that most people agree that Timmy's dad is the far worse parent. But back in this flashback, he is the uh, the far more
1: attentive one. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, he's the one who wants to document every moment. Every he's moment. He's got that Stu Pickles kind of '90s dad thing where he's filming everything on like a VHS camcorder.
0: Yeah, like literally every moment. He's like, oh, we don't have any footage of him eating spinach yet. It's like, of course, of course.
1: So. Oh, the self-awareness of this movie is amazing, too, in terms of the puns.
0: Yes. This is true. Um, there's, I think, so they're sitting in class, and this is during the after Bippy's takeover, Um, and I don't remember, it's, they're talking about, like, the United Apes of America, and there's, like, a bunch of terrible puns, and AJ is like, you know, if it weren't for the fact that what he's saying is historically accurate, I would say it's a really bad pun.
1: (laughs) AJ has, you know, he doesn't have a ton of lines, but they're usually pretty good.
0: Yeah, he's, he's an under, um undermentioned character i guess like he doesn't come up i feel like as frequently as he should given how gold most of his stuff is for sure yeah i also liked sort of in that same in that same sort of monkey transfer thing well first of all we we see because there's two different ways the world goes right we we see the world become monkey world and then we see it become crocker world and um We, we see in the monkey one, first off, like, we, we get to see, like, sort of the parallels. So, like, uh, there's a bunch of women sitting in a salon, and they're like, Oh, did you hear about the engagement banana? It was three whole bunches. And, um, you know, some construction workers, some construction worker monkeys are, like, whistling at a woman. And she's like, What are you, a bunch of humans? And I just think those sorts of fun trade-offs sort of things are are
1: fun to see oh for sure dimsdale gets renamed to chimpsdale so basically dimsdale goes through two transformations those that's sort of our beginning middle and end of this movie is we're in dimsdale at the beginning regular old boring dimsdale when timmy gets his muffin the food fight happens bippy gets a hold of the mu- the muffin and then the world becomes chimpsdale Ultimately, through a series of wacky events, Crocker gets the muffin and creates Slavesdale, including uh, Chet You Bow Down, who is the announcer that instructs when everybody bows down to their lord and savior, Crocker. It's very dystopian and very dark.
0: Yeah, and it's about what you'd imagine the world with Crocker ruling it to be, though, right? Like that it's not entirely entirely stunning that he's terrible (laughs)
1: right
0: but yeah um he also has this uh obsession with shrimp (laughs) puffs for whatever reason which i've never had one and i don't know but apparently timmy thinks they're gross but i love shrimp so like my gut is telling me that uh I personally would probably love shrimp puffs. Yeah, but' I
1: we'll to give them a try. And it is sad. We see a window into Crocker's sad little world when he tells Timmy, they're locked up. They're still in Chimpsdale, right? And, and they're captive by the monkeys. And uh, Crocker tells Timmy that he is going to, he goes, I'm not scheduled to eat until March, uh, which is pretty dark. <laughs> and uh, yeah, the monkeys yeah. are a total dictatorship too. Um, I don't know which would be preferable, Crocker's or the Monkeys, but uh, he invites Chimmy to his, you know, whatever dinner, wine and cheese party.
0: His dinner yeah, party. Yeah, it's like yeah.
1: wow, Crocker really has no one he could invite to that kind of thing.
0: I mean, he is in prison for once, so that does kind of limit That's your options. True. But I would imagine that he doesn't have too many real friends, from from the feels right. of it. Yeah, and we, we also, we, because uh, I don't feel like we really clarified this big point here, that the fairies do have to kind of have like an intervention, and because apes were then the like majority species or whatever it is, whatever they refer to it as, um, all of, um, the, the fairies now go to chimps instead, right? They're, the fairies... Uh, basically, Timmy doesn't have fairies right, anymore, so he has to kind of figure his way out of this in a way that he can't really exactly control Z, which it kind of gets control Z later by Bippy, but, you right.
1: know. Yeah, and then we have, throughout this Chimp's Jail thing, we have all this, uh, all these poop jokes, essentially, about, you know, monkeys... Flinging their own poop, and that's a constant running joke. I
0: love the species that throws its own yeah, feces. Yeah, and
1: Wanda being grossed down the please be mud line is pretty funny.
0: Yeah, but it's you know, it's a little a little low right. humor yeah. there. Um, I do also going back to the parody thing. I realized I mentioned that we get to kind of see like major structures like the Eiffel Tower turns into a banana forgot the
1: others but it's it's just kind of cute totally is yeah um and yeah just similar to last the last two movies i'm not really interested in giving a plot summary but just sort of highlighting the things that we found interesting about it trying to think other angles we've got jorgen this is a huge jorgen episode
0: oh man he has he has this gold moment so i think this is after is this i think yeah this is after i think crocker takes over is when he, he gets in this panic and he's like, we have to scramble the fairies. And so the fairies, like, we get this nice montage of them all getting really prepped and it looks like we're about to hit into this great, exciting battle scene, right? You get really hyped. and There's this, like, dramatic music playing. And then, uh, I think it's Binky, yeah. right? Is like, he's like, um, so what are we gonna do? And he's like, well, we can't have the fairies going down to the human world anymore, so... I'm going to have to destroy the bridge. And then Binky's like, well, couldn't we have done that without scrambling the fairies? And he's like, I like to yeah. scramble
1: and the fairies. Goes, and we didn't even have to destroy the bridge. We don't even need a bridge. We can just, like, poof down to earth. And he goes, I like destroying the bridge. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's a like classic self-aware, Ugh. fairly odd parents humor.
0: It is. Uh, just him being, you know, him being him. It also... I find it interesting that this is the second time that the bridge has gotten destroyed. Well, I guess technically the first, because this movie happened first. But, you know, uh, both this and In Schools Out, we get the the bridge getting destroyed being a semi-major plot point.
1: For sure. Yeah, similarity-wise, there are so many between these three movies, where the central conflict seems to be between kids and adults. Or, you know, Timmy and his parents, specifically.
0: Yeah, this one's kind of a combo of to me, his parents, sort of more emotionally conflicted, and then there's obviously the big conflict between reports. him and Crocker. Um, I do kind of enjoy just the idea that in this one, Crocker does, for at least a little bit, get a taste of what it's like to win, even though it's not where he ends in the the end of it. But you know, I think it's it's a fun kind of thought as to like what would the world be like if Crocker did get what he wanted, and it's it's dark, but
1: <laughs> for sure. And I I love the ending of this. I remember it crystal clearly. This and School's Out the Musical, I specifically remember moments from the commercial that would play over and over again in the weeks leading up to the movie's release. And for this one, I remember the line, Cosmo and Wanda are, like, clinging to this portal where they're being sucked into Darule's book, and Cosmo says, "'We don't want to go away forever!' And Timmy says, "'The truth will set you free!' And uh, those moments I just remember them so crystal clearly and they're they're still pretty powerful rewatching them.
0: Yeah, and I think I think we reference this in Channel Chasers too. It's a similar situation of Timmy sort of getting rid of his fairies, um in order to help people who aren't him. So it's another one of these selfless moments. So I, I feel like this one hit me a little bit harder somehow, but still like the same the same sort of strength of his fairies are really important to him, important to him, and there's also this moment where, you know, they're they're both, they're like, no, Timmy, but we love you, and he's like, I love you too, and that's why I have to let you go or whatever. I don't know. It's just it's a really sweet, touching moment. Um, I do want to backtrack just a little bit um, because we do get this fun sort of. Um, this fun sort of battle scene, I guess, where we're trans uh, traveling around several different places. You know, we end up in space, we end up in ancient Egypt, etc. And I know that um, in Danny Phantom, I usually mention how I don't really like these big fight scenes, but I feel like in this one, it's a lot more of a battle of wits, and it actually didn't get old for me. And maybe that, and sort of the constant changes in location. And the way that Timmy kind of uses all of his different little, you know, presents that he got that made it a little bit more, I don't know, engaging to me. But I do want to give them props for making it a lot more engaging than I feel like usually the Danny Phantom scenes are. Oh,
1: completely, yeah. And I think it's because it's a little more of a personal conflict as opposed to just Danny versus ghosts that he has to beat versus, like, Timmy and Crocker. There's this hist- there's this history And, uh, the stakes are so high. It is interesting that Timmy essentially loses his fairies in all three movies.
0: Oh, you're right. Yeah, I guess, I guess the idea of that, right, is that by doing that, it makes it seem very high stakes. And it, it leaves you wondering a little bit more, well, how is he going to get out of this? Yeah, it's
1: about as high stakes as the show can go. Because without his fairies, there is no show. He's just some kid.
0: Yeah, and, yeah, it's, it definitely shows, you know, how much different his life is without his fairies, and sort of how drastic that all is. Um, I think another thing about this whole battle that's kind of exciting, too, is that Crocker doesn't realize that it's Timmy for a while. I don't remember exactly what point that gets revealed. It's somewhere mid-showdown, right. but, like, I like that there's sort of that sort of, you know, play between Timmy trying to keep his identity hidden right. a little bit. From and... the
1: disguise from, uh, that one specifically from the April Fool, I believe.
0: Yeah, yeah, who, um, I can't remember, is that the same voice actor as oh Cupid? Oh or... my
1: god. <laughs> Don't. <laughs> Don't do this to me.
0: Uh, I'm terrible. Oh my god.
1: <laughs> Season three, your trivia questions are gonna be like... What is the fifth line in episode two of Spongebob?
0: <laughs> I thought my question was completely fair. So if you want to be trash, was, we can be trash um, the entire season. But... Yeah,
1: we already get them wrong like <laughs> 60 to 70% of the time.
0: <laughs> yeah, we, we definitely get them wrong probably barely more than odds, yeah. I would say. Like we get them right barely more than we right. should, but that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> uh.
1: Um, what else do we have going on here? We've got the, well, there's the concept of the butterfly net being the thing that fairies absolutely hate. That's kind of entertaining.
0: Yeah, I think they say, like, if it has wings, a butterfly net can catch it,
1: so. And then, which is kind of a lame line, but then Wanda goes, and I mean, look at it, and she's so freaked out (laughs) that I start to buy it, you know?
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's, it's another one of those things, and this happens a lot, and... Um, with the rules as well, in on this one, is that they kind of make up the rules as they go, right? Like, we, we kind of buy into rules for an episode at a time, knowing that they're not going to be concrete for any amount of time throughout the season, right? Um, so, I, as far as I remember, butterfly nets are never referenced again as being terrifying, but in this movie they are. Um, the rules can say things like, you know, like, oh, the fairies go to the dominant species, and that'll never get referenced again, which is fine. It is what it is. It is how this show functions, but you know.
1: Yeah. And then we have the forget-me knob that gets us out of the whole thing at the end.
0: Yeah, that's actually a really cute scene, too. Um, Because, well, Timmy, Timmy ends up being miserable again, so Cosmo and Wanda come back and in the middle of their, like, introduction, Jorgen's like, hey, wait. Well, because all all the fairies go back to their respective godkids as well, and they all go down the bridge, and it's really cute. But then, um, Jorgen sort of bursts in and is like, after all the trouble you caused to me, like, there is no way that you can have these fairies. I'm going to have to reassign them. And then he has the forget-me knob, which was actually originally brought for the party so that the parents would not come into Timmy's room and would end up forgetting what they were doing. Um, But he just, he throws it at Jorgen and he's like, "Um, what exactly was I going to do? And they're like, oh, you're going to reassign these fairies to some sort of a child who is miserable and needs help. And they just kind of like point signs towards Timmy and he's like, oh, you'll do. So just sort of a fun moment of him. You know, going through that whole forgetfulness thing, ending up doing the thing that he said he wasn't going to, yada, yada, yada. And just the the whole concept of a forget-me knob, it's a fun pun.
1: Yeah, oh no, it's totally great. And it's a fun callback to several things, you know, the scrambling the fairies, the forget-me knob itself, using it on the parents, it's great. And the whole concept of the party is so heartwarming at the very beginning. I'm a big fan of this whole movie, start to finish.
0: I really am too. And I think, um, I think it's just, it's creative, you know, and I think the idea of, so again, I, I, I forget how much we've, so the, the muffin gives rule free wishes, which is kind of how everything comes in. And I think it's fun to kind of see sort of the consequences of what rule free wishing really means. And it kind of gives you some sort of an insight as to maybe why, uh, they don't keep doing that, right? right? Sort of one of those things that like maybe the the rules are probably for the best perhaps and also I think the bigger part of where the muffin becomes an issue is that you don't need to have fairies to be able to make wishes, which, man, if that if that muffin got into the wrong hands, as it does, <laughs> crazy things can go down.
1: Yeah, it's pretty nuts. I do think the rules are handled better in this movie than in Schools Out for sure, but there's yeah they're i that silly. but they're still
0: they still definitely like I said they they play into the convenience of it. They they do what they need to do given the current state of affairs, but I just do love this movie so much more than the others. Um and I, I can't put my finger on exactly why. I think it's longer than both of them, yeah, right? I know it's yeah. longer than school channel. Out.
1: Chases is close to the same, but I think it's a hair shorter.
0: Yeah, so it's it is the longest, gives it more time to accomplish what it's setting out to do, but I just think it it's such a fun concept. We get to see like I said, we get to see these new characters making wishes. We get to see a world where Crocker is winning. We get to see this interaction with Timmy and his parents. That's sort of new. We get to see them be a little bit more self- aware for once um just a lot of a lot of fun things play into it.
1: Yeah, and I'm really glad we did this. If we had to rank them, I think we would have the same number one in reverse, two and three. I've got to put Channel Chasers last, but they're all very close.
0: Yeah, No School's Out is definitely last <laughs> on my list, but uh, like I said, if, you have, if you've listened to our episode, you know that already. Um, but I think we can both agree that this one this one does everything it does best. I definitely think the parents and all of their crazy lines... Gotta be up there. Just their entire scene talking about their lies and, you know, like, realizing how terrible of people they are. So, you know. <laughs> right. So it goes. And
1: we get some, yeah, some nice insight into their past, of course, like you said. Um, and then, of course, they have to end it on a stupid final line. I wish they hadn't.
0: Yeah, and so we see Crocker ends up being put in an insane asylum. Which I am curious because during channel chasers at the very end we do see him come out of one I don't know if that's intentional st- or not. I thought
1: about it and I'm starting to think that it is intentional right like
0: that he starts in the insane asylum and I guess by the next movie he finally gets out only to be back there again anywho um but he they I think it's Cosmo says night night crazy guy uh
1: from the yeah. window
0: Something like that. They're giving
1: him, like, his shot, right? Yeah. And he just says, Mommy! And that's the end. It's... It's dumb. Yeah.
0: It's like... It's just not... Meh. Which is such a shame, because they could have just ended it 30 seconds earlier and it would have been better. The same as what we said in Channel Chasers. I don't know why they have to do these things to me, but they do. (laughs) (laughs) Mm-hmm. Um, I think that sums up pretty much everything I want to say about it. Great movie. I think it holds up really well. I think it's definitely worth a rewatch if you're feeling a kick of nostalgia. Um I think that's all yeah, I've got. Yeah, that's
1: all I've got too. This was this movie Marathon was really fun. We're aware of the the other Fairly Odd Parents movie, but we will not be touching that one.
0: <laughs> uh you mean the yeah. live action? Okay, for a minute I thought you meant because it's it's very idle a movie. Oh yeah, no? there
1: might be other movies. Um, I think the first Poof episode is a movie.
0: Either way, just clarifying that uh, the Drake Bell ones,
1: please yeah, no. We're not going there. <laughs> but this was really fun. Next Sorry. up, we, we're skipping trivia for uh, reasons that I don't want to talk about. But uh, we'll have our conclusion <laughs> with our fun fact Twitter poll and a preview for next week. Alright, our fun fact for this week is, of course, Fairly odd parents themed. This totally blew my mind, and I discovered this on accident while we were preparing for this episode. Chester McBadbat was originally voiced by Frankie Munez, which I had no idea. And he stopped shortly before this movie, so um, somewhere in 2003, he... Uh, was no longer that voice, but it totally makes sense now that I think about it.
0: Yeah, I can absolutely hear that, but I absolutely didn't know. And that's another one of those where I'm interested to sort of see when the voice switch happened, because I never noticed.
1: Right. Yeah, I didn't either.
0: Alrighty, our Twitter poll for this week is, which of the three Fairly Odd Parents movies from our marathon is your favorite? So that's between Channel Chasers, Schools Out the Musical, and Abercatastrophe.
1: Yeah, I'll be interested to hear your responses. You guys know our answer, but uh, don't be afraid to answer, you know, however you want. Next week on our 52nd episode, the first episode of our second year. We will be discussing some rejected Nickelodeon pilots with Patricia. Uh, these are going to be really interesting. I hadn't heard of any of the three of them, but uh, Patricia is very knowledgeable of these shows that never really became shows for various reasons, so I'm sure we, it will be a very educational experience for us.
0: Yeah, same. I've, I've never watched or really heard about any of these. I know some of them are sort of... I think she said one of them went not viral-viral, but semi-viral, or has like a lot of views or whatever it is. Um, yeah. anyways i definitely excited to be digging into those excited to have Patricia back on the show and on that note thanks again so much you guys for sticking around for a year with us it's been an absolute blast and we'll see you next week